0: Welcome to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellata from SingleInTheCity.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Well,
1: good evening, everyone, and thank you for joining me for another episode of the Dating and Relationship Show on AM640. I'm your host, Laura Bellata matchmaker and founder of SingleInTheCity.ca. Before you date, it's important to get over past hurt and work on yourself for the best success. Well, how do you do that? This week, I'm joined by love expert, Barry Selby, who who will be helping us out with this and so much more. Uh, Barry is known as the love doctor and is the best-selling author of 50 Ways to Love Your Lover, a spiritual guide, a sought-after, inspirational speaker, and a wise and compassionate relationship attraction expert. This is Barry. Uh, Tonight, we'll be discussing how to move forward from past mistakes, how to love yourself, and Ways that you can move forward with success. Well, thanks for joining us. So you've never been on the show, have you, Barry? This is your first time.
2: This is indeed. It's grateful to be here. So thanks for having me.
1: No problem. I always love everything that you share on Clubhouse. Uh, Barry is also another amazing coach that I met through Clubhouse. Now, a big part of what you do is focused on helping others to heal so that, so that you know, they can move forward. So let's start with that. Mm-hmm. So. I love this post that you shared on your Instagram. Healing doesn't mean the damage never existed. It means it no longer controls you. Something that so many people have a hard time letting go of. So how do you let the hurt go, Barry? Because that's a tough
2: one. Well, the first thing is, is to be honest with yourself. Because most people, to be honest, um, want to sweep it under the rug, so to speak. They want to move on to the next thing, go like, you know, I'm done with that. Let's go to the next one. And, one of my um, recent memes, not memes, but framings I've been using is that basically when you don't heal your past to go on to the next relationship, it's like painting over rust. I mean, I'm a car guy, so I think about this stuff. When you paint over rust, it <laughs> looks good for a little while, but eventually the rust breaks through the paint again, because that's what happens, So yes. you've got to take the rust off. So what that is is the past wounds, the past emotional hurts, and frankly, the more emotional baggage that you have of hurt from past relationships the less available you are to love somebody in the future. So you're actually denying your future prospects, all of you being available to love them anyway. So it's worth looking into the past. So that's the reason why. Um, You want me to dive into how to work on that? Or are we talking more about the overarching theme first?
1: (laughs) Whatever you want to talk about. It's all amazing information. So clearly, (laughs) you guys,
2: okay,
1: (laughs) truly amazing. Okay, continue. Whatever you want to say is good.
2: Okay, okay. Just want to make sure I'm on the right track.
1: You're Um, always on the the right
2: track. Yeah, I mean, because I love love helping my clients attract healthy relationships, but almost, I mean, I would say everybody, almost everybody has some gunk to clean out first, so to speak. And because, I I mean, I've done it myself. I mean, I've definitely carried wounds and baggage from past relationship breakups that I didn't, um, I wasn't facing myself in the mirror honestly and working through the stuff that was in the way. Um, Part of my background is I have a master's degree in spiritual psychology and also spent 20-plus years as spiritual counselor through my spiritual center. So I've done all the work as a counselor, guide, and and I hate to use the word coach, but a guide to other people to really heal their wounds. And for most people, it's really part of that work is to let yourself off the hook because most of us who are carrying emotional wounds and past breakups and feeling sorry for ourselves are usually carrying some level of guilt and shame about what happened. And a lot of my work is really dealing with the compassion we need for ourselves and also forgiving the wound or forgiving the, the wounding we keep infla- inflicting on ourselves because we haven't got over it, whatever happened in the past. You know, it's either we we want to bury the stuff and move on, or we want to just uh, immerse ourselves in the pain and not do anything about it. And I try to help. well, I, I do help my clients fix both of those, so to speak, to step free so they can love who they really want to love again fully. And part of that is loving themselves first, which I know we'll talk about later on.
1: Yeah. Now, you know, for, for many people, their emotions and self were so tied to a toxic person and relationship that they thought they couldn't live without this person, right? How can you start to shift that mindset? Mm,
2: well, that's the thing, the best way of approaching this one. Frankly, there is nobody, nobody in our lives, including our parents, who has control over us. However, we tend to give that role to other people, make other people responsible In my work, a lot of the things I talk about are in the codependent realm because so many people fall into that trap. And one of those things is when you give somebody else the authority or the power over your feelings, it's like making them your puppet master and they have control over your feelings by manipulating the string, so to speak. So when you have past upset tied to a relationship that you're no longer in, you're still giving that relationship power over your feelings. So Mm -hmm. first of all, it's just to get clear what's going on. And then secondly, it's to start undoing the hooks and the um, loyalty almost, I use that term, it's kind of what it is, a loyalty to the past mistake or the past wound because that's the thing we do, we we don't free ourselves from it, so it's undoing that damage in a way.
1: And I think too we, we need to realize that we do deserve healthy love, you know, I think part of the problem with leaving toxic relationships is believing that, you know, we can turn that dysfunctional love into a healthy relationship you know and if we don't believe that we are deserving of a, a caring and thoughtful and attentive partner we're often going to attract partners who don't believe it either right so we have to start loving ourselves first you know all of our flaws like we we really do have to come to a place of appreciation for what for who we are and what we have and you need to start you know believing that a partner should be so lucky to be with you you know and i think that <laughs> the more you believe that you deserve healthy love and I think the more you're going to be able to identify those red flags or those warning bells, you know, um, mm-hmm. when it comes to meeting somebody.
2: Absolutely, and, and yes, and that's the other part is that we have this wiring or this belief inside that that when that person shows up and loves us, then we'll feel whole, which is an absolute error in approach. Because yes, as you said, loving ourselves really is the key; it's the secret source in a way. Even though we've had, I mean, the last few years, it's become kind of obvious people say, well, love yourself, you'll be fine. It's like it's almost a a, um, throwaway line. But the reality is the inner work to honor, respect, appreciate, have compassion for, heal, forgive, um, care for ourselves is real work. It's not just the simple, oh, I love myself, I'm fine. It's really the commitment to ourselves to recommend, to really honor ourselves because the other part is when you do that, your actual dating standards will increase because you won't settle as much as you did in the past. So it's vital work.
1: Work for me, Barry. Now, one of the most painful things that comes with ending uh, a toxic relationship, I think, is the lack of closure, you know? I think a lot of us look for that closure or that apology for the pain that it may have caused us. And a lot of times, closure is never going to come, right? It never comes. So we have to realize that we can't control anyone but ourselves, you know, uh, no matter how much we want, we may want them to, we have to find that closure in ourselves. So, you know, do you have any other tips in the area in this area where, you know, maybe people are waiting for closure? Because I think that's what holds people from moving on sometimes. Like I just, I never got closure. I just didn't get closure. Like I just, I need them. I need that closure to move on. So what do you have to say to those people?
2: As I mentioned earlier about the puppet master syndrome, so to speak, that is what this is about in a way. Because when you're waiting for somebody else to do something for you so you can be free, or you need to have some communication with them, or some thing to be okay with to move on, that's that puppet master idea where you're giving them strings to control how you feel. The reality is that it might happen. It is possible. I mean, <laughs> there's a slim chance. However, praying for that to happen is really a waste of energy back to the self-love piece. When we are willing to make peace ourselves and have, in a sense, a completion within ourselves about that partial relationship, it's not out of just like playing it down and ignoring it. It's more about being at home inside yourself because that other person may do whatever they do. They may have already moved on without even thinking about it, but you're still stuck in a space of not being complete. That's mm-hmm. all inside of you. So you have the good news about that is you have dominion over that. You have choice and you can choose with the right support or the right tools, navigate through how to let go of the past, make peace with it, and to move forward. The biggest thing that I think we don't do is learn from our mistakes. That's something that when we do, it makes our future much easier to navigate and also much more successful because we go, okay, I'm not doing that one again, but not out of denial, but out of awareness. And that's a big shift.
1: And, you know, you need to know that you didn't deserve that poor treatment if if, you know you have gone through that and that the best thing that you can do for yourself is is to move on and know in your heart that you deserve a better right now someone who really loves you is going to treat you with respect right they're not going to try to control you they're not Mm going to belittle you you're just going to know when it's right so what are some of the things that you can keep an eye out for that show that someone might not respect you and that you could be on a path towards unhappiness Barry?
2: Do you think we could fit that in before the break? <laughs> it's, really, it's been quite a long list, just to be transparent. Well, we can <laughs> but, start. Okay, let's listen to a little teaser then. We'll take it before the break. Um, yeah. <laughs> part of it is really is to notice how they involve you in terms of how they incorporate you into their lives, how they include you, but also how they really listen to what you say and how you share. Part of this process in relationships is you're learning to navigate around life with this other person and ideally they are with you. And when you understand, when you get how they treat you, that's how you know they love you or not. I mean, it sounds so sort of simplistic, but that's the reality. Do they reach out to you? Do they, do they are they spontaneously get, including you? Are they checking to see you're okay? Are they including you in their plans? Are they asking your perspective? Or are they just running the show and ignoring you? You know, it's like there's certain things that are very simple in this way. I know, we take a break, so I want to, Put that one on the table first, but the thing is, there's a lot to this puzzle because your discoveries you go through what you only, what you feel for yourself is being loved, because you may have your own um, filters which love comes through, which may not be the true ones either. So we can talk about that after the break. I know.
1: Yeah. Oh, you're so good about that. <laughs> we do need to take a break. <laughs> and after the break, we'll continue with this conversation, and we'll be discussing how you can learn from your past relationship mistakes and start to move forward. We'll be back.
0: Now back to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bilotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto.
1: You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show on AM 640. I'm Laura Bilotta, joined by my guest, Barry Salby. We're getting back to our chat on moving forward after the end of a relationship. Before the break, we were discussing, you know, things to keep an eye out for that may signify that someone that you're in a relationship doesn't really respect you. And I know you wanted to continue with that, so go ahead.
2: Well, this, this is a bigger piece of the puzzle I wanted to drop, and I need to give it space, so to speak. But this <laughs> is the thing I've learned from myself is that for most of us, we, we have this, um, I call it the, the, the pattern of serial relationships, where basically we date somebody and we tend to find ourselves in a familiar territory, even as a new person, the same old patterns keep showing up. So, when we meet somebody new, knowing that they love us, it may actually feel like the old way of being, not what we really want. Because you may have been in a relationship where somebody was, uh, for the sake of argument, um, not present to you. They were busy, they were all workaholic, they were busy, very distracted. And then you meet some, you break up with that person, meet somebody else, and the same sort of thing keeps showing up, and you're wondering why. And the thing is, what you're looking through the, li- looking through the relationship lens is with this sense of abandonment. There's a wiring program inside. Now I talk about this in my deeper work, and this comes from studies with some of the teachers, is that we basically get imprinted with how we love when we're very, very young. And you know, when we're when we're probably many people from zero to five, six years old, we observe the way our parents are and the way adults around us are and the way they express love. Of course they express everything else too, but we tend to build associations in our unconscious about love and the way they behave, which may or may not be perfect. For most people, it wasn't. So depending how your parents express love to each other or didn't express love to each other is how you'll tend to incorporate the wiring inside at a very young age without any filter or without any um, blockage, so it goes straight in. And then around age six or seven years old, like our conscious mind becomes the gatekeeper and sort of shuts down any other thoughts coming in without being approved of first. However, behind that gate of the conscious mind, there's a whole store... So I've been full of all these different beliefs. And so when you become an adult and you start dating, what you'll look for without even realizing it unconsciously is love that is tied to a certain behavior you love when you're a kid. So if you were raised, for example, if you were raised in a family that was abusive, maybe there was some sort of verbal or mental or even physical abuse, that's the association with love that you were raised with. So you'll tend to find that you're an adult person. And this is true for men and women. It's not gender-based. But what happens for us is we tend to take on patterns. And it can work for you or against you, depending on how you're raised. Um, I mean, speak from my own experience. And I had what many people look at as being a perfect upbringing. You know, my parents were together. So my mum my passed away after 60 years. And my parents had really a very loving, I perceive was loving relationship. But what happened was, and I'll, go, I'll do this backwards, is that when I was dating in my teens and 20s, I would be meeting a new woman, new girl, have a great connection, wonderful sex, all of these things would be great. And then it would end abruptly. And the reason it would end abruptly is because we had an argument. The reason why it ended on an argument is because when I was a kid, my parents never argued in front of the kids. And my belief was, looking back at, with hindsight, is that loving and arguments didn't go together because where I was in my family, there were no arguments. It was loving and nothing else.
1: Wow, yeah. So
2: it was an argument. Yeah, exactly. So the wiring was, Argument meant no love. Close the door and walk away. I broke up so many times, short-lived relationships, because I didn't realise that you can have an argument and be in a loving relationship. But it wasn't my conscious decision; it was my unconscious mind running the show. So we all have wiring beliefs that we were raised with that run our dating choices. Till we shine the light on them and see, oh, that's not true. But most of us don't even know there's a belief running because it's all unconscious.
1: And we call these attachment styles, which we talk about often um, on the show as well.
2: Yeah, well, it, it, attachment styles is part of it, but I would say it's more just the wiring, the programming we get. I mean, I I, I refer to uh, Bruce Lipton, who wrote *The Biology of Belief*, and he talks about the um, form, the formative years. And he, I mean, a lot of Bruce is a really wonderful guy, but that teaching is so fundamental. And yes, attachment styles comes into the play as well, but this is almost like add on to that, or or in parallel to that, because the way you were raised is the way you date. That's kind of the simplest way of putting it, which for some people is like, great. And for some people are like, oh, crap.
1: <laughs> okay. Like, so would you say continue. if you don't rewire yourself, then you may be chasing after people who don't love you either? Mm, well, we know we're going to we keep attracting the wrong partners, that's for sure. So I know if you don't love if, yourself, yeah. then, then, you know, you're going to you know, be attracting people who are not going to love you either. But does the same go um, in this case?
2: Well, in that sense, it's kind of like they, they can only love, only love you to the level you love yourself because you, right. can't, you can't give what you don't have. So you'll be able to love yourself first. And yes, part of that upbringing, because most people's family didn't raise them to love themselves fully anyway, that's a piece that's missing most of our upbringing. And of course, we don't have classes in high school saying, this is how you do relationships. You know, you have the sex talk, but you don't have a relationship talk, which is kind of backwards. But yeah, we miss we out. Should on start
1: something having those.
2: Show us. They should yeah. have start having the to Absolutely, we should. Yeah.
1: In high school. <laughs> um, okay, so what are what? Okay, so let's just say we want to rewire our brains, right? What are some of the first steps that we can take?
2: Well, one of th- I remember, from, I've been in a seminar of personal development field for many, many years, and one of my first lessons they talked about was is simple awareness is often curative. The truth is that for most people, just becoming aware is a key to opening the door to being free. Now, yes, there's work to do beyond that. But the first thing is, is to become aware of what is the subconscious programming, the unconscious beliefs we're carrying that we tie to love. So first, become aware. Secondly, once you have the awareness, is to really find out you know, for yourself, is this really true? You know, Do I carry a belief that is mine? You know, whose voice was it that put that programming in my head? Is it my own voice? Or was it my parents or an uncle or a brother, a sister, a teacher? How did that voice get in there? And whose is it? And then is it really true? Because 90% of the time in this instance, those things aren't true. They're not true. So you can say, okay, that's not true. What is true? And you can basically start changing your beliefs and changing the rules because you start to get clarity. Now, for the deeper seated work, which I do with my clients, I I do a lot of work around parts integration and and what I call uh, reparenting because – what you end up having to do, in a sense, is to be the adult um, having a meeting, so to speak, an, in, an in-person meeting with your inner child, your younger self, the person who took on the police in the first place, and discovering that those beliefs aren't any true any longer. I, I do a whole um, sequence with my clients that basically reassigns the the, the younger parts to have a different belief system that's more accurately aligned to who you really are.
1: Now, what about let's let's take this in a little bit of a different direction. So, what about people who sure. Hate being single, all right? There are people that hate being single. Um, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And so many people will jump into relationships because they feel like they need this from another person, this and that. Um, But really what they need to do is work on themselves first. And I always recommend that people look inside and do some work to figure out who they are and what they want first, right? So what are some of the most important areas that you should focus on for self-improvement and satisfaction before you go back out there and start dating again from your perspective anyway.
2: Well, first of all, what you said is exactly the first step is to start realizing that you want to spend time with yourself. A lot of people Mm -hmm. being in in relationship is a way of avoiding themselves, which is unfortunate. Um, And yes, back to what we said earlier about the the loving yourself versus being loved by somebody else, is that when we wait for somebody else to love us and if we're basically constantly struggling to find someone to love us because we're not loving ourselves, that's a very clear indication we're not applying loving to ourselves in the first place. We are our best friend when we choose it. And we're the one relationship, the one in the mirror, that we have longer than anybody else. That's the one we have from when we're born to when we leave. So definitely focus on the relationship with ourselves. So having said that, um, some things to focus on is to learn how to navigate life on your own. To actually take care of yourself and to uh, have a social life that is not attached to relationship to do things, activities, social engagements that you take yourself to. You know, go to a concert on your own, go to movies on your own, take going out to dinner on your own. These are things mm-hmm. you can Some people are extremely scary, but the reality is you can do these. First of all, you build trust in yourself. Secondly, start to enjoy your own company and thirdly you actually become more attractive to future relationships so it's a very win, very much a win win so to speak
1: and also uh, if i can add is is becoming more self aware too right is, is how do you being aware of how your actions maybe they affect other people you know what are some things that you may need to work on yourself outside of a relationship you know what kind of a person are you when you're on your own what kind of a partner are you in a relationship i think i think these kind of questions are important to ask before you you know enter something serious with someone else because knowing yourself first right inside and out like really knowing yourself is going to really it will help you build a better um future and foundation with your partner um and it's not just about getting to know that person it's also about getting to know yourself too and all that should happen prior to even going back out there
2: right my recommendation yes absolutely
1: yeah, so in addition to healing your relationship with yourself, which is really important, um, you also have to heal your relationship with love so that you can form healthier relationships. So what advice do you have for someone who's had negative experiences with love that have deterred them from
2: trying again? Boy. It, <laughs> nice, this, is nice
1: this, is, this is a common one.
2: Yeah, and and what I would say simply is that the truth is it wasn't love that has harmed you. It is all the stuff around it that was provided by the other person or the other people that made love, that tainted love, so to speak, to use the old uh, song title. The thing is that the, the love is really pure. And what your choice is, is do you want to keep maintaining that or do you want to get back to loving, or should say get back to the natural sense of who you are as a loving person? Because, again, it's it's like you've mixed in these, Okay, I'm going to go a food analogy for some reason. Um, you're mixing these spices into this food that is making it too bad. You've got to balance the spices so it tastes okay. Same thing with love, in a sense, that you've had these negative flavors added to the love that aren't yours. They're what other people projected onto you or threw onto you or delivered to you. So you've become accustomed to love through a, a filtered, um, toxic method. And so the work really is to come back to loving yourself. And, yes, put yourself first to really... Put your loving as a priority because, again, you are your, you are the best relationship you ever can have as a mom with yourself. And any relationship you want to be in, you, for most people, you don't want to keep repeating the same old stuff again. So the way through is to disengage from that old wiring and change it to where you want to be. Does that answer your question?
1: It does. And being vulnerable, right? I mean, you can't find love unless you're vulnerable, right? And that could be... Yeah. Really hard for someone who's just getting back out there again. So, you know, quickly we are taking a break shortly. But any tips for getting back out there and you know learning to be more vulnerable again when you feel like it's been stripped from you?
2: Well, taking time between where you were and where you want to go, spend time with yourself first. Getting support from other people, getting coach guidance, support. Just doing things that really navigate yourself into. A relationship with yourself first, because again, rushing from past relationships to the next relationship is almost ignoring who you are in the moment. So take the time to be with yourself, to value yourself enough to enjoy being with your own company. That's a good starting point.
1: And two, you know, like I always say, surround yourself with fr- family and friends that are in healthy and loving relationships. And then this is going to mm-hmm. remind you too that good love is out there, right? So that that's going to, yes. you know, help you raise the bar for yourself in terms of what you're going to accept in relationship time for another quick break. When we come back, we'll be chatting about the importance of moving forward. We'll be right back.
0: Now back to the dating and relationship show with Laura Bellata from single in city.ca on global news radio, 640 Toronto.
1: It's Sunday night. You're tuned into the dating and relationship show on AM 640. I'm your host, Laura Velada, joined by Barry Selby, a love expert, also a friend of mine on Clubhouse. We're getting back to our chat on how to date again and with intention in 2022. I mean, that's the big topic of conversation um, for me anyways, is dating with intention. I've been talking about it for the last little while on the Clubhouse stages and so forth. So I have another post that you shared that I really like, post that you shared on your Instagram. Mm-hmm. When the past calls, let it go to voicemail. <laughs> it has nothing new to say. <laughs> now that you've worked on oh, yourself, true. healing, any, how do you prevent the past from creeping back and those old thoughts from resurfacing again? Like any other tips on how we can stop ourselves from making these past mistakes again?
2: Well, again, I do a lot of work with my clients to really navigate through and to rewire the, rewire the past misshapen programming, so to speak. But the other part is also is being present and being aware. There's a tendency to get comfortable in dating with the old routine. It's like you like running a bike or driving a car, you get into this like default habits, good or bad. And so it's being present and being conscious in your choices and your dating. That is something maybe kind of new for some people. But to make your choice when you go on dates, to be very present and aware of what's happening. So you're not into autopilot or getting comfortable again. So that way you'll start noticing when you're aligned and when you're off track, so you can re, you can course correct because right. we've done up to this point, perhaps has been a autopilot methodology. So you wonder why you're in the same old place again. What's well, like, if you went back about four steps, you'd notice what happened and you can choose a different exactly. path. And so self-awareness. Yeah. So that's a good place to start is to be present and aware to make each date conscious and present. So you can navigate. And you know, it sounds like so simple, but the reality is most of us don't even do that.
1: I agree, and I think you know one of the keys to healing from from the past too is to be is to really become more aware of the red flags. So I guess essentially this is what you're talking about: be aware of those red flags in your relationships that may signal a problem. You know, and when you see the red flags, because Barry, how often do we see these red flags and we completely ignore them? We see it was like, oh, yeah, well, they'll change, or maybe I can change them, or it's not a big issue, you know. But then Mm -hmm. down the road, as you get more comfortable with someone, those red flags that annoyed you that you overlooked, or you didn't really overlook, you kind of did, but you didn't, those are what (laughs) come back to haunt you, aren't they, Barry?
2: (laughs) They come back to haunt you. Don't go away. No, the red flags are visible when you make the list. They become invisible when you're dating. (laughs) <laughs> because what people do is they get curious, like, this, I don't want this, I don't want this, I don't want this. And you go, yeah, but they're nice. I should, I could put up with that. I could put up with this. So like, no, but we do that. No. We sell ourselves short. And we tend to minimize the red flags, which is a mistake it? and an error. It's like, we know this, but we go, yeah, but it's going to be okay. You know, this, this this mindset just cracks me up because I've, I've done it myself. I know that I've said yes to things that I know would not have been wise if I was really staying true to myself. So, be honest with yourself, you know, step free and again, be present to what you're choosing and make better choices because it really comes down to you get to choose what you want. Are you letting yourself be overridden by those unconscious wires, programming rather, or are you making choices that are conscious? They're intentional to they look for the green flags, not the red flags.
1: And now, okay, so you said that um, a true relationship is when you can tell each other everything. So, mm. no secrets, no lies. Do you think there's such thing though as a relationship where there are no like little white lies? <laughs> I'm just curious. <laughs> I feel like um, I feel like sometimes people need to tell little white lies just to stop from hurting somebody's feelings or if it's not it's if it's not it like if it if by telling the truth is gonna cause like a whole bunch of turmoil where it's not a big issue, like maybe things get miscommunicated. I see how people may tell little white lies, but I get it, especially when someone gets caught in a little white lie in the beginning of the relationship. It's like, oh, red flags go up. (laughs) Okay, does that mean, you know, you're going to lie throughout the relationship? So what do you think?
2: I think, honestly, it's the best policy, to be blunt.
1: I agree (laughs) with you, but I just don't know if it's always possible, but...
2: Well, the, the thing about it is, 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 and I would say it this way, and of course, every situation and circumstance is different, so please don't take what I'm saying as the rule for everything. However, right. when, when, you, when you are in a situation where you feel uncomfortable telling the truth, rather than lying, it's okay to be silent, ultimately. <laughs> and, and
1: you know, so that's you the
2: know, they're lying. <laughs> <laughs> well, my <I'm> personal <laughs> point of view is that, you know, probably might want to cover up something, but if you just don't say anything, it might not be noticed. It's the fact that you notice it doesn't mean they will either. But the reason I'm saying this is because it's better to um, you know, make careful. I don't want to make excuses for people, but it's better to be uh, easier to explain further on down the road than to make a also the have to correct later on. So
1: yeah. As yeah. As you
2: know that what you're saying is as honest as you can be. And you can even say that it's like, I can't tell you exactly what's going on right now. And we're talking a week about this or something else. I mean, there's a way of t- navigating to be honest throughout without necessarily being blatantly the truth every single moment. You know, it's being being honest and also being present to what's going on. Okay. So don't lie. I mean, don't
1: don't (laughs) lie. (laughs) No, don't lie. All right. um, So if you've ever had issues with vulnerability before in a relationship, then how can you be upfront with your partner and start to trust them again?
2: Well, that was the key word right there, trust. Um, vulnerability is, is only safe when there's trust built. So it does require building trust, and oftentimes trust comes from the simplicity of just, well, as I said earlier, about being truthful, but also is keeping your word. Part of, I think, vulnerability comes from the place of having a safe container. A safe container is a, is a container built on trust, and trust, for me one of the simplest ways of building it is keeping agreements. I have a whole um, my teaching on agreements. I learned this one many, many years ago. That we have a bad habit of not keeping our word. We'll say something, do something else, and that breaks trust. So, having can be vulnerable with somebody, you can't trust. So, having agreements that work is vital. And very quickly, because I know we've got a short time before the break, is that with agreements, I recommend that you write them down so you can remember them. You say you, you keep you keep your agreements and don't break them, but also means make less agreements. Because one of the challenges we say yes to things too often and we don't keep our agreements and we break our word. That also, mm-hmm. by the way, is a self-esteem tool too. So. It adds to our own self-esteem to say that. So um, agreements is a part of that. So when you build trust, and when you build trust, you can have more vulnerability. That's a shortcut.
1: I love it. Okay, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll be chatting about how you can start looking for Mr. or Mrs. Right this time around. We'll be back.
0: You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta. From singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. You are listening
1: to the Dating and Relationship Show on AM 640 with me, Laura Bellotta. And Barry Selby, he's a love expert. He's in studio with me tonight. We're getting back uh, into our discussion on moving forward and finding someone who is right for you in 2022. Barry, you've talked about how important it is to listen and see someone fully so that you can trust your intuition, though we don't always have an easy time doing so. How can you listen fully to get a better picture of who someone is?
2: Well, that's the thing. Yeah, I know.
1: Because <laughs> some people well, don't want to listen, face, right? Some people face, don't want
2: yeah. to. Yeah. The challenge is that we have competing voices inside. <laughs> we have a voice that wants what it wants. There's also a voice that is like needing some sort of some sort of uh, validation and completion. So there are voices that are just desperate to have what we think we want. The challenge is that the voice of honesty, the integrity, of that little still small voice that's in our gut that basically knows better doesn't always have the the room to itself, so to speak. So it does require a deeper listening. I would suggest that really we know. I mean, all of us have this gut feeling, intuition that is so. Um, Clear, even though it's not very loud, it says this isn't right or this is not lining up or this needs to be this way, whatever that is. But meanwhile, the voice in the head is going, Oh, yeah, but this is, can be perfect and this could be anything. And, and we run this conflicting conversation inside. So, really, it's about trusting ourselves, which for some people is an easy leap. And for some people, it's a massive hike to get to there. So, I'm saying this understanding that for some people, it's a lot easier than others. But building that self-trust because we have the intuition inside, we do know better. The question is, do we do better? That's always the choice.
1: And then also, like, our actions speak louder than words, right? So if someone's mm-hmm. a talker more than a doer, it can be a red flag. Um, and if you want to date someone with more integrity and one who follows through on their plans, um, then, maybe you should take a look at that, right? Do they follow oh, yeah. through on their plans, or are they just speaking, and are they just speaking all the time and if this is a reoccurring theme, then you may have your answer
2: yeah i mean when you go when, when you go on a date with them, how do they treat the white staff? you know how do they How do they treat other people? How do they share with you? How do they you know have the same present there's so many, um Signs giveaways clues that they are giving you without even talking to you if you just notice them so be a be a detective that may be too too uh, predatory in that sense, but being witness, notice what 's happening, and so the biggest part is separating also the fantasy what 's possible from the reality what 's happening because for many of us and i 've done it myself we romanticize the possibilities and then when the reality shows up, we tend to paint it with that brush and it 's not accurate so being witness to what's really happening can give you so many clues and one of my favorites again is when you go out somewhere and watch how they treat other people because that's a giveaway because if they treat you one way but treat other people a different way there's a discord there
1: okay barry so now someone's done the work they're feeling better about themselves and they want to start dating again they're like okay i'm ready um or they think they're ready so what should they be focusing on prior to getting back out there
2: well, the temptation people have because we have such availability with dating apps and sites and social media to being able to find somebody, oftentimes we don't really get clear about what we're looking for. And we mentioned earlier about the red flag piece and that sort of thing about you don't want. Um, because some people get so caught up in the I don't want this, I don't want that, it's almost like they're reversing the car into the next relationship, you know, it's like dating through the rearview mirror, which I don't recommend. But what I do focus on, I want to focus on the mission briefly of the green flags, is really get clear about what you do want to have in a relationship. For many of us, we don't even know what we're looking for to around the dating apps and go, does this fit? This doesn't fit. Mm, they may be. We're not sure. If you really get clear about what you want, okay, you want a monogamy. You want someone who doesn't smoke. You want someone who's loyal, someone who's, I don't know, vegetarian if that's your preference or they, they, don't, they travel a lot and I want to travel with them. Things like that that you get clear about what you want to have in your relationship can start to really present to you what feels right for you to have. And when you then meet somebody in the dating apps, you can look for those things in the dating profile. When you talk to them, you can start getting clear if that person matches what you really want versus are you fixing what you're looking for to the person you're meeting. You know, a lot of us do it backwards. We meet somebody and then try to fit our dating profile around that person. When truly want we want to get clear about what we want first and then see if the person matches or doesn't match. That's what dating apps are for, is really to um, navigate through many, many choices to find what matches for you not just the most appealing necessarily, but the one that matches what you really do want because your values, your your needs, wants are valid. And so to get clear about what you want first is a self-honoring choice. So when you're at dating, you don't disown that.
1: I think it's important too, Barry, to figure out what went wrong with your past relationships. You know, like why did mm-hmm. they end? You know, maybe it was distance, maybe it was lack of communication, lack of trust, whatever, but Um, I encourage people, you know, to make a list of all the things that went wrong in your prior relationships and to find solutions, right? Um, So that you can avoid making the same mistakes again, so you don't keep repeating that cycle, which is toxic, everybody. It's toxic. You don't want to do Mm -hmm. that. So that's a little exercise you guys can do at home as well.
2: I agree. Absolutely, yes. One of the things is sometimes for some people, because they don't know what they really want, you start with what you didn't like in the past that didn't work for you. And then you flip the script, so to speak. You take what didn't work and you put the positive reframe in to what you do want. So in a way we're doing is you're taking the red flag and you're reversing it to a green flag. So what you said is true. Yeah, get clear about what didn't work. But then decide what it is that does work instead. And I'll get you where you want to go.
1: Okay, and I want to hear two of your best vetting questions for daters out there looking for love. Two of the best Oof, questions they can um, ask.
2: Okay. Um, just to make it fun, these are two, there's a few questions I would suggest, but here's a couple I would play with. One of which is um, to ask their prospective dates. If you ruled the world, what would you do and how, what would you have happened? It just blows them open because it gives such an openness to what's possible. It also gives you a clue what they're looking for because they say, well, I right, buy a big island and I have a big house and a big car. That's kind of selfish. If they say I want to change," the, you know, fix the world hunger or something else, it opens the door for other conversations. So that's one question because it's really macro and I like playing with that level. The second thing. Or they,
1: or they is... can lie and you'll never, and you'll never know. <laughs> 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 okay. Sorry.
2: <laughs> okay. Fine.
1: The second, <laughs> really okay.
2: Deal with it. What's the
1: second vetting question?
2: The, the second Let's question actually. People is, are
1: being honest, folks. Let's assume they're being honest. Okay. Second vetting question.
2: Absolutely. Fine. Absolutely. Yeah. it's why I'm, I'm playing with it. So, you know, a couple of questions So one other question also, and this is a much more micro question, so to speak is what is your favorite smell? (sighs) Now I say this, I like this one because it's fun. Because first of all, our sinuses, our smell is our our first, first sense we ever have. And that smell can be so interesting to inquire on because it could be the smell of their mother when they were babies. It could be the smell of their favorite food. It could be the smell of transmission oil. I don't know. It could be anything. But the thing is then again, you ask the question, then at least another question, at least another question. Because the idea of asking key questions like this does ones to ask is the open doors to more questions because you get to know somebody's personality.
1: Beautiful. Thank you so much, Barry, for such an amazing interview. Uh, thanks for joining us this evening for another episode of the Dating and Relationship Show. I hope that Barry has been able to give you some great insight into how you can heal from past and Get ready to move forward this year. So, Barry, we want to keep this conversation going. Where can people get a hold of you if they want to, um, if they need your help or assistance or learn more about you, where can they go?
2: So, to make it easy for everybody, uh, all my social media except for Instagram is Barry Selby. And my site is BarrySelby.com. So, you can check out my site to check out my programs, offerings, and get in touch with me. Um, Instagram is where I post a lot of my provocative memes, which I know you've been, been enjoying, um, which is the real Barry Selby, but everywhere else it's just Barry Selby. So YouTube, I have 1,200 videos on this. So you've got my YouTube channel, again, Barry Selby, or on Clubhouse, Facebook, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So easy to find me.
1: Thank you so much. And, guys, you can get a hold of me on my website, singleinthecity.ca, or Instagram, official Laura Bellata. Thank you so much for tuning in. And if you're looking for a matchmaker or someone to help you find love, it's me. See you next week. <laughs> Ciao for now
0: we